You can leave your child in public school. You can homeschool, particularly if you have one parent who's not working. You have that homeschool option, and there are other ways that the homeschool uh, education system works. But also, you can afford to send them to a host of fine private schools here. Uh, so school choice is exercised every day by people who can exercise it. All students should have the freedom to pursue an education that develops their talents, unleashes their unique potential, and prepares them for a successful life. Those words from Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. The Education Freedom Scholarships been proposed by the Trump administration creates a $5 billion annual federal tax credit for voluntary donations to state-based scholarship programs, which empower elementary and secondary students and families to choose the right education options for them, regardless of where they live, how much they make, and how they learn. Arkansas Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin is supporting the Trump administration's proposed Education Freedom Scholarships, and he joins BOT Radio Network to discuss this proposal. Lieutenant Governor Griffin, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Glad to be here. Really appreciate you having me on. You're the 20th and current Lieutenant Governor of Arkansas, a post that you've held, I believe, since January of 2015. What's your greatest enjoyment living there in the natural state, serving there with Governor Hutchinson? Well, uh, 2015 is is right. That's when I was sworn in. And uh, a couple of things I'd like to point out, which are which are not the same for all lieutenant governors around the country. So I am elected separately from the governor. In a lot of states, the governor chooses the lieutenant governor. That is not the way it is in Arkansas. So we are completely separate in terms of uh, our election and, and being on the ballot. And that's a lot of people know that, but a lot of people may not, uh, because it is different in different places. What that allows me to do is work with the governor when he uh, he and I are on the same page on stuff, and, and also to have my own priorities. And so, uh, just as a little background, you may or may not know, but I served in Congress for two terms, representing Central Arkansas. And your question makes that background important because I have a small family and a young family. I say small because I have three kids. <laughs> there are a lot bigger ones out there. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I have a 11-year-old, uh, 9-year-old, 11-year-old girl, 9-year-old boy, and uh, a 1-year-old, believe it or not. Uh, and that has been an adventure. I was uh, just left the house, uh, you know, few minutes ago and to come down here and she's just absolutely amazing and uh so i've got two girls and a, and a young boy so you're still changing diapers in the house uh we are definitely changing <laughs> diapers and the reason all that's important for a lot of different reasons first of all i think it's important to know about my family and w- what my kids uh do in terms of their education but also you ask what is uh, the best part of serving as lieutenant governor here well, being here, being in the state is so important to me. And that's why I left Congress, to be frank with you. So my daughter was three years old. Mary Catherine was three years old when I got elected to Congress in 2010. And my son was not yet one year old. And uh, so 
as I continued through, started in Congress and continued my congressional career, I was I was missing a lot of really critical moments. You know, if if your kids are out and they're adults and they're 30 years old, and you only see them a few times a year from age 30 to 31 or whatever, that's one thing. But when you're not seeing your kids all the time at age one and three and five, you know, you're really missing a lot of key moments. And so I was gone about a third of the year when I was in Congress. It really started to have an impact on me and my uh, and, and my boy in particular who would say, are you always coming home, Daddy, when I would just go get the paper? And so after a few years, uh, after you know, in my second term, my wife and I decided after a lot of prayer that, that we were going we to make a change. And I didn't have a plan to run for anything, but our then lieutenant governor uh, had to step down for some reasons. And uh, some people said, hey, you know, you ought to run for that, allow you to, to be here in the state. And uh, it's not the normal path for folks from Congress to come back and run for lieutenant governor. But but it might work for you if you want to continue to serve. And so I thought about that, prayed about it, and ran for lieutenant governor in, in 2014, got elected, and just got reelected. So um, it's been fabulous because I am home most nights. do have to travel to 75 counties, but, but I can be back home in a car pretty much any, anywhere I go in the state. That was not the case in Congress. So I want to give that little background. Now, on the, um, in terms of my kids' education, I have a my sixth grader. She went seven years to a Little Rock public school. She went to preschool or pre-K uh, and 5K, K-5, and then one through five. And, uh, and then her school that she was in, fabulous public school in Little Rock, uh, ends at fifth grade, and so we had to determine what she was going to do for sixth grade, and we, we have her in a private school. My son is in third grade. He is on the same trajectory at that public school that I praise so much, and he is in third grade, and uh, we'll see what, what happens uh, when he gets to sixth grade. And then, of course, my one-year-old is just, just learning how to uh, speak. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're homeschooling her. Yeah, I have a one-year-old granddaughter, and she's just learning those early words, too, and they're so cute at that age, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, it's amazing. So that's a little background. Uh, you know, I'm a – you didn't ask, but I'll tell you, I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, my dad's a preacher. My granddad was. My great-granddad, my great-uncle, Southern Baptist ministers, and a lot of people say, well, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tim, generationally, how long has your family been in Arkansas? So my mother's side is where uh, the Arkansas connection is. My dad's side is from South Carolina and North Carolina. And uh, my mom and dad uh, met at Ouachita in the 50s. My mom's side, I've traced it back um, way, you know, before the Civil War, um, one one particular part of my uh, of my mom's family came to South Arkansas in the 1870s right after the Civil War my great great grandfather had served uh, over in Georgia and in, uh, in the Civil War and after the war moved to South Arkansas to start a new life and his great grandson uh, was Sid McMath the governor uh, from 1948 to 1952 of Arkansas governor of Arkansas. And he would have been my 
great great grandfather. Right. Uh, so they, we go back sometime in the 1800s uh, in Arkansas, um, and uh, so we know it's interesting. I possess the original deed papers to some land that my family homesteaded in northeast Arkansas, not too far from the Eleven Point River in 1865 when they homesteaded that land. My grandparents are from there. My grandmother was from a little town called Biggers. Yeah. My grandfather was out off the Eleven Point River where he was born on a farm. You know, later I just found out recently that uh, my grandfather on my mother's side was uh, living, I think, in Jonesboro and fell in love with the telephone operator that he talked to on the phone living in Blyville, Arkansas, okay. and so and they moved to the Memphis area, too. So both sets of my immediate grandparents moved from Arkansas here to Memphis. Well, I find a lot of that, uh, a lot of family history uh, really interesting. I, unfortunately, <clears throat> I, I, I've had a little time, but I've unfortunately not had the time to really, really dig hardcore into the genealogical stuff. But I've done quite a bit. I've got a family Bible for the mid-1800s. I have my great-great-grandfather's uh, I have his school book from 1844. Yeah. And uh, it's was written in quill pen. My. And I still have it where he's doodled the dates and doodled his name and and it's a it's a real treasure. So I've got some stuff like that. You know, there's the thing is, it's funny. There's always one in the family who likes that stuff, and the others don't care as much. And I'm, I guess, I'm that one. Tim, as I mentioned, your support of this uh, Trump administration's Education Freedom Scholarships. When did you first learn about this? What kind of piqued your interest when you first heard about it? Well, I have I've been a supporter of school choice. For a long time, I you know pretty much as long as I've been involved in public life for sure. But but prior to that, even as someone who who worked on uh, as a staff member on campaigns and things, I've always supported school choice because it just makes sense to me. Um, you know, if you ask people, <clears throat> uh, are you for a open education system where parents make choices about their kids' education, or for, are you for a closed education system where the government decides where you go and what education your child gets? Are you for open or are you for closed? That's about a 90-10 proposition. I mean, people overwhelmingly are in favor of parents making these choices, not government. And uh, And so... That's just common sense to me that this particular bill that President Trump and Secretary DeVos uh, announced is one that I guess I just learned about when they announced it uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, makes total sense to me. You know, it, it's a it's a it's a tax credit. It gives a lot of freedom to the states, gives a lot of freedom to the states to decide who the nonprofit or charitable organization is going to be that they're going to bless, so to speak, and as an authorized nonprofit that, that people can give to. Basically, it's a tax credit program. It encourages people to give their money to these nonprofits that will facilitate scholarships 
two kids to go wherever they need to go to get the best education, which, you know, that's hard to see who could be against that, but there are people against it. But what that would do is you get a tax credit, which is not a deduction. A tax credit is a dollar for dollar. So, for example, let's say that someone normally pays $20,000 in federal taxes a year. Well, if they gave $5,000 to one of these nonprofits, they would get $5,000 credit versus against what they pay. So if they normally pay 20 a year and they give 5000 then they're just going to pay 15 and you'll add that $5,000 tax credit to it, and that's your twenty. So it's a pretty simple deal, and there are limits on how, how much credit you can get and things like that. So, uh, and, uh, but the President Trump has set aside, uh, along with uh, members of the House, members of the Senate, U.S. House, U.S. Senate, Ted Cruz and Bradley Byrne. Bradley Byrne of Alabama is the congressman, I think, who's the lead, and Ted Cruz of Texas, obviously, is the lead uh, in the Senate. But basically, they've set aside $5 billion worth of tax credits to encourage people to give to these these organizations that, as you said, uh, states would have uh, authority to designate would not be a government entity. Uh, it would be a scholarship-granting entity. We have one in Arkansas called ACE uh, Scholarships, and it's a nonprofit. And so under this program, you would get, if you gave $1,000 to it, you get $1,000 federal tax credit. Now, right now, if you give to a 501c3, a nonprofit like a scholarship, you get a deduction, right, for $1,000, which the difference between a deduction and a, uh, and a credit is is usually about, uh, a credit is about two-thirds more because a deduction is only uh, going to be worth what the tax would be on that much money. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great program. And, uh, you know, a lot of the opponents of, of school choice, I've, I've heard most, if not all, uh, of the um, arguments against school choice. And one of them is that, that parents should leave their kids in a school that might be failing or mediocre because one day they're going to, they're going to get it together, and they're going to get the school where it needs to be. And if people take their kids out, then that may deny them, the, the administrators or whatever, the opportunity to get that school on track. And my, what I say to that is, first of all, there are decades and decades of, of that, that certain schools have not been what they needed to be. How much longer do you need, number one? But really the most important point to make on that is, look, a child only gets one shot at third grade or second grade or first grade. And if it's mediocre or even worse, they don't get to do it over. That's it. How many generations of kids are we going to allow to get subpar education? You know, we're seeing a revolving door here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got young people. This is it. And what I tell people, too, is my responsibility before God is my child. And I want the best for my child. Talk about the vetting process. Each state creates its own structure, I understand, how they're going to implement this. What would be Arkansas's vetting process for these schools? And some of them are trade schools, too, not just secondary. And, again, it goes back to giving the parent the choice to decide how they want to spend those funds. Yeah, well, the way this, the way this would work is 
And in our case, there are nonprofits, as I indicated, already set up. And I think a lot of the specifics of what is, how a state would vet, uh, would, would uh, analyze and determine which entity to choose would be left up to them. But let's, let's take Arkansas, for example. There are a number of these entities, 501c3 nonprofit, out there that already grant scholarships or are, uh, are part of the school choice movement. They don't have to be invented. They would just have to be certified that they are, in fact, doing what they do. Right. And the ultimate end result would be an entity that normally was able to raise, you know, let's I'm just hypothetically saying a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand a year based on the the fact that donors could get a tax credit, you would expect that number to escalate significantly. Right. That more people would want to give to these entities. So you're just incenting you're not growing government. Thank goodness. You're just incenting more giving. We already incent giving with a tax deduction, but a tax credit is three times on average right. the incentive. And a couple other things, too, I, I think we must mention here during our limited time is, you know, the United States is in the midst of a profound workforce skills gap. About seven million jobs remain unfulfilled today, according to a Georgetown University Center on Education and Workforce that back in 2018 alone the U.S. workforce required at least 4.7 million new workers with post-secondary certificates. And so these scholarships can help expand career training options. Another example, children and students with disabilities can also benefit. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's a wide range of educational opportunities that not only that are available, but that people need. Uh, We can't treat education like a cookie-cutter system. Every child is different and has different needs, and we need parents, we need to empower parents to meet those needs as much as possible. Uh, The other thing I would say is, you know, one of the big things that, uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, that some opponents to school choice generally will say is that they'll say that, well, you're just taking money away from education. Wrong. Wrong. Uh, We, in fact, uh, this federal program, this federal tax credit program, doesn't touch educational funding at all. At all. Uh, So that's just not true, um, number one. And uh, the other one that you hear a lot is that, well, school choice won't help. Uh, mid to lower income students. Well, that's just ridiculous. All the data shows that it does, number one. And number two, let's be real clear. Upper income people already have school choice. Just someone who has planned well, who has a good income, uh, who saved, um, can put their kid pretty much in a private... Let's say you live in Little Rock or here in Arkansas... You can leave your child in public school. You can homeschool, particularly if you have one parent who's not working. You have that homeschool option, and there are other ways that the homeschool uh, education system works. But also, you can afford to send them to a host of fine private schools here. 
so school choice is exercised every day by people who can exercise it. And some of the people that can't exercise school choice, who do not have access to school choice, are people that don't have the resources. And so this is leveling. It's hard for me to understand why people are against leveling the playing field for families that don't have the resources on their own. I mean, these are scholarships. This is a wonderful thing. Once the Education Freedom Scholarships, this bill passes Congress and the Senate, how long will it take your administration to implement this in your state? And do you see any possible snags that might prolong its implementation? Well, I think if I, I think I can't speak for the governor, as I indicated, I, I um, elected separately. But I got to believe that if this passed, that that would that could be done pretty quickly. I mean, literally, uh, I'm very uh, well informed about, for example, the ACE scholarships here and that nonprofit and those sorts of things. And. Uh, those sorts of entities, and I, I don't see why it would take much time at all. Uh, but the broader point here is uh, not just this particular piece of legislation, but the need for options for parents. Uh, there is legislation at the state level that would get state tax credits that is similar to this bill, and it is um, – it is. It's not passed. It's here in the legislature now, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I'm an advocate for it. And the governor uh, has announced that he would help fund a school choice pilot project for low-income families in Pulaski County. That was proposed by uh, some uh, members of the House and Senate, particularly uh, Representative Ken Bragg in the House and Senator Blake Johnson in the Senate, and. Um, the governor has committed to, to help fund that. So there's a lot of different school choice options out there. And the broader point is that this is what we ought to be doing. And I know you have both Republicans, Democrats, independents, everyone listening uh, to this program. But I would point out that for Republicans, this idea of school choice should come as no surprise it's a part of our platform. It's a part of the Republican Party platform to embrace and encourage, foster more choice in education. The proposal says that privately funded scholarships improve the educational experiences without taking a single dollar away from the public schools and the students who attend them, which you've already alluded to. But do you see any other potential ways that the scholarships could harm these already struggling public education system? Well, no. What I would tell you is my children have gone or are going to a public school that competes. Not not every school, public, private, or otherwise, can compete. There are charter schools that try and fail, and we uh, we take action to you know, terminate their charter. And there are other charter schools that flourish, and they're doing awesome. And uh, it's you have to compete. We should not be propping up schools that are giving mediocre or subpar educations to young kids. We shouldn't prop them up. If we can't, I mean, we should fix them. But if, you know, if the same school's been trying to fix itself for 30 years, 
40 years probably isn't going to help. Yeah. I mean, we got to we got to be realistic about this because again, that first grader is not going to get another first grade opportunity. They get one, and that's it. And these scholarship granting organizations, will they be publicly listed on a website through the uh, state of Arkansas, or how will they? Well, I, I certainly think, yes, I'm sure that I'm sure that if this past Congress and uh, the state uh, authorized particular, uh, uh, particular nonprofits to facilitate the school choice uh, tax credit, uh, absolutely all of that would be made public, would be... Uh, easily known to um to Arkansans. so that yeah that's not the issue and you know the best argument for me on school choice is this one what if i told you that um you could only shop in a government drawn district and you had sort of a older store that you got your groceries in they built a new super duper one about 10 miles from your house and you drove out there one day so you could get all your homewares and everything and your groceries all at the same time and you got up to cash register and somebody said i'm sorry sir you don't live in the district for this store you'd say what you say well you can't you can't shop here you got to go to the one that's right down the street from your house you'd say that's crazy what if someone said you can't go to that doctor that you've researched and you know so good you can't go there you got to go to the one in your in your government-drawn district, you'd say, what? What if I said you can't go to a college or a university unless it's in your little district? You'd think all that's crazy, every bit of that. Well, you know what? That's what we do every day. We do that all across this country when it comes to education. We tell people, if you don't live nearby, you ain't going. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. We're telling people they can't go to this, they can't go to that. Let's give people choice. It's an American, it's an American idea. Let people make decisions. Arkansas Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, thank you for joining Bot Radio Network, helping us understand more about the Education Freedom Scholarships proposal that could potentially really revolutionize our education system all across not just Arkansas, but all across this country. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, my pleasure. Happy to come on anytime. If folks want to get more information, the Federal Department of Education has a whole page on this. Um, and I can have, I don't have the website in front of me, but if they just go to the Department of Education, uh, just put in U.S. Department of Education in Google, boom. Also on our website is some of the stuff that we've put out. Google Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, boom, it'll come right up. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I do appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.